ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ನಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಗ್ರಥಿತುರಾಣಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣೀ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾಧ್ಯಾಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣೀ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರು ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿಯಂಸಾಮಗಾಹ್ಯಾನವಸ್ಥಿತೈನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿ ಯೋಗಿನ ಯಂತನ್ನ ವಿದುಸುರಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯ ತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಆನ್ ಕರ್ಮಯೋಗ ದಿಸ್ ಸೆಕ್ಷನ್ ಆನ್ ಕರ್ಮಯೋಗ we discussed last time the verse 48 yogastah kuru karmani sangam tyaktva dhananjay siddhya siddhyo samabhutva samatvam yoga uchyate <coughs> said yogastah kuru karmani may you perform your actions as abiding in yoga where here the word yoga is explained as actions perform in the spirit of offering to the lord so may your actions become the actions of worship in short what here lord krishna is saying is may every action be performed as a worship when you perform the formal puja then of course whatever actions are performed are performed as worship because the lord is right in the altar is right in front of you and you make you perform various actions as offering but may that puja or worship not be confined merely to this act of puja but then let whatever actions you perform may those actions be performed in the spirit of worship sangam tyaktva dhananjay and there that this action may bring me a certain reward or some kind of a personal benefit it is sangam tyaktva without that kind of an attachment or without that kind of even a, a calculation the action that i am performing may it bring me a reward so without this is just an ideal condition we are talking about but this is exactly what ultimately wants to grow into is its that actions are performed in the spirit of worship and that too that this action should bring me some reward even without expectation of a reward it is true that the, ex- the action will bring the reward whether we you know it is a nature of action to create the result and therefore the result of the reward will come but then while performing the action let not the reward be the prime concern but while performing the action let action or the quality of action be the prime concern this is the idea <coughs> and what is meant by yoga is being explained in the second line siddhya siddhyo samobhutva samatvam yoga uchyate having become samaha equal siddhya siddhyo in success and failure having an equal minded or same minded having same mindedness or sameness of the mind with reference to success and failure may you perform the action so even before performing the action may you have this understanding that the action can result into success or failure again there is no such thing as success and failure as far as action is concerned because according to the law of action an action always produces a result which is in keeping with the action there cannot be success there cannot be failure this swami ji illustrates again and again in all his talks suppose i clap my hands like this you know i bring my two hand palms together in this manner and that's called a clapping sound so when i when i make this motion of clapping and the sound is produced please tell me is this production of sound called success or failure is it success or failure 
If you want the sound to produce, you will say it is success. If you want sound not to produce, you will think it is failure. In which case you will keep on doing this. Why the sound produced, you know? And you can just get crazy about it. Or you think that you are a very successful person because the sound is produced when you clapped. The answer is that this is neither success nor failure because when the two palms are brought in this manner together, the sound will be produced by the laws of nature and therefore production of sound when you clap can be said neither to be success nor failure. And this may be too simple an example, but then every action, every reaction or result of an action is really connected to an action in this manner that the result of an action is always in keeping with the action. There is nothing that we can, we cannot prove this. In the sense that there is no evidence necessary to show that the, the result is always in accordance with the action. But then, all the Puranas and the mystical and the, and the spiritual literature in India, all these big epics such as Ramayana, Mahabharata, and so many other Puranas, all of them are full of stories to illustrate this point as to how the result that you gain is in keeping with the action performed in the past. And very often things happen in our life which cannot be explained. We may be, we may find ourselves going through a variety of situations, very often painful. And we find no reason for it at all. Because many people say, Swamiji, what have I done in this life to deserve this? And perhaps one hasn't done anything in this life or anything that we can think of which can produce a result or a situation that I am experiencing right now. Then these, these scriptures bring to our attention that the life is not merely, life is not commenced merely at the commencement of this embodiment, but it is, as we say in the morning also, that life is nothing but a series of embodiments. And therefore the actions which we may have performed in the past can bring about a result right now, because there is no, there is no rule that the action performed in this life necessarily bring results in this life. And so this is how to create in us a shraddha or a faith in what we call the law of action. That is in the physics also it is said, the reaction is equal and opposite to the action. And so also meaning when you, the ball will bounce with the same force with which you actually throw it. In the same manner also the reaction, the result of an action will come in the same manner in which you perform the action. And therefore, ideally speaking, there is no success and no failure. And still, we tend to brand a result as either success and failure. Then what has succeeded and what has failed? Suppose we accept for the time being that there is something called success and failure. Then what is success and what is failure? What has succeeded or what has failed? All that we can say is that when we perform an action, that naturally is an expectation that this action will bring about a given result. There is an expectation. And if the result is in keeping with our expectation, well, we would brand that result as success. And if the result is not in keeping with the expectation, we would brand that result as failure. And thus, when success and failure comes, what has succeeded or failed? All we can say is, our expectation has succeeded or our expectation has failed. Action has neither succeeded nor failed because action brings only result in keeping with the end action. But what has, you might say, succeeded is your expectation or what has failed is your expectation. <clears throat> and this we should be prepared for. That our expectation, after all, expectations are based on our present knowledge, our present sense of judgment, our present understanding of the things. And we have to accept that our knowledge or our judgment or our understanding is limited. The world is a very complex thing, everything is very complex. Everything is interconnected with very, so many factors and so many interactions are there that it is generally not possible for a human mind to be able to know all the interactions involved and to be able to take into account the various interactions involved. And therefore, we certainly will have an expectation when we perform an action. There is nothing wrong in it and it is natural except that 
we should be prepared that our expectation may not necessarily be met with because I am limited. As they would say, I have been blessed with these threefold powers, the power to know, the power to desire and the power to act. These threefold powers are given to all the human beings in varying degrees. And these powers are to be, to be play, put to proper use. That's what the purpose of the life is. That with the help of these three powers, powers to know, power to desire and power to act, that we grow. For that purpose, these powers are given. And it's a great gift. At the same time, it is necessary for us to recognize that these powers are limited. And therefore, what I know or what I can know is always going to be limited. And my expectations and judgments are based on my present knowledge. And therefore, no one can ever say that my expectation will necessarily be precise. <coughs> Sometimes you have the knowledge and still you don't have the power. You know something is going to happen, you have no power to change it. And then also you have to accept it. And thus our capacities or abilities being limited, it's quite possible that the result may not be in keeping with our expectation, which we should be prepared with. It is a fact of life. What we may say, unpleasant situations, unfavorable situations, painful situations, for, you know, what we call uh, failures, all of these are facts of life. As much as success is a fact of life, favorable situation also is a fact of life, and, and pleasant situation also is a fact of life. They always compare life with a wheel. How the wheel goes up and down. One poet says in India, in Sanskrit, that there is no one who is always happy, nor there is anyone who is always unhappy. The happiness and unhappiness go up and down like the, the wheel, you know, like the the, uh, like the rim of a wheel, how it goes up and down. And so, so, the life cannot be predicted with any certain thing. So we should be prepared for failure. As you said the other day also, every action that we perform may be only called a calculated risk. And as you said, even a simple action of crossing a street may be a calculated risk because you don't know if you'll be necessarily able to cross, going from one point to the other with all our best hopes and confidence that we do, but there can be no guarantee that the action will necessarily be successful. And thus, we will accept that fact of life. That's all Lord Krishna means. Siddhya Siddhyaho Samabhutva. May you have an equanimity of mind with reference to success and failure. Meaning, don't get frustrated. We get frustrated when things do not turn out the way we want them to turn out. And that creates all kinds of complexes in us frustrations, disappointments, then generally the immediate result is I brand myself a failure. Unfortunately, our judgment does not stop by judging the result as success and failure, but it immediately results into branding me as successful and failure. And this is a problem. If the result is branded as success and failure and I can shake it off, no problem. All right, I fail. No problem. I can proceed. Okay. But unfortunately, I brand myself when it is the result is successful, I intend to take all the, I tend to take all the credit. And when the result is failure, I brand myself a failure. And from this arise all these problems of self-condemnation, self-rejection. So all these things, series of difficulties arise. <coughs> so even psychologically speaking, it is not proper to brand oneself as success and failure just because the result is of one kind or the other. And therefore, here Lord Krishna says, Siddhi Siddhiho Samubhutva. First of all, understand that there is no such thing as success and failure. All there is a result of action. And even if you want to call something a success and failure, understand that it is merely your expectation which can be called successful or failure. And that expectation is bound to be so because it is based on the knowledge which is very limited. And so, you have to be able to ready to accept facts of life. At the same time, you can have another twist also in this whole situation, positive. That, as we said last time also, the results are always given by God. As we said, the result of an action is determined by the laws of action. 
these laws of action are accepted as invariable or impartial laws. There is no partiality that somebody is favored and somebody else is, there is a prejudice against that person. There is no such thing in law. So law action of action is impartial. And therefore, the result also comes without any partiality, without any favor or whatever. <coughs> and that result is determined by law of action, which is nothing but the law created by Lord. And therefore, we say that the result of the action is determined by Lord himself. And so it is Lord who gives us the results of different actions, who presents before us various situations. So how do we look upon those situations? We look upon them as what we call prasada or gift of God. And if you have devotion to the Lord, and if you have the faith or trust in Him, that is always our well-wisher. They call Him Suhrud. Suhrudam Sarabhutanam. Bhagavad Gita itself says, describing God, that He is well-wisher of all the beings. He only wishes well of everyone. And Christianity even says, Lord loves man, you know, God always loves. And there, here in the Gita, I would say, he is a well-wisher, and therefore, he always wishes well of everyone. And therefore, even when an unpleasant result comes to us, if we, if we have enough faith and devotion to accept that also as meant for some kind of a welfare for me, it is difficult when we are in painful or unpleasant situation. It is difficult to keep this balance of mind, but if we can, and we can look upon every situation as meant for some kind of a growth, some kind of a blessing is involved. It may be a blessing in disguise. So devotees of God look upon every situation as nothing but a gift of God. Even death, as far as they are concerned also, is nothing but God alone coming in there. Not only it is gift of God, it is God alone in that situation. Because we accept God as both the nimitta karanam and upadana karanam, the efficient cause and the material cause. And therefore, even the situation that comes to us, really speaking, is nothing but Lord alone coming in that situation. And if this is how we look at it, we will not get frustrated. On the other hand, we will have a proper outlook. We will not call it positive outlook, but a proper outlook to every situation, that every situation will be looked upon as an opportunity for us to grow, opportunity for us to evolve, because situation is so created by God. This is what they call the divine scheme, that there is a scheme, that there is a purpose behind everything. And the purpose is not a evil purpose, purpose is, a pur that is the divine purpose or purpose of blessing. And thus we look upon ourselves as part of that whole scheme and look upon whatever happens to us and around us also as a part of the scheme and accept it without frustration. If you can accept it with a smiling face, if you can accept it as a real prasada, well that is ideal, in which case a person cannot be frustrated. In which case we will be able to maintain what we call a poise of mind. We will maintain a balance of mind in every situation. Samatvam yoga huchade, and that alone is called yoga. So Bhagavad Gita describes or defines yoga as the sameness of the mind or equanimity of the mind. Nityancha samachittatvam ishta anishta upapattishu. Ishta anishta upapattishu. In whether the situation that is created is desirable, anishta undesirable, samachittatvam sameness of the mind or equanimity of the mind. And when we say sameness of the mind, we do not mean an insensitivity towards the situation. But we mean a devoted, an attitude of devotion. That with devotion, I accept the situation. As I said, it is going to require for us to involve God. Because karma yoga is not possible unless God is involved in every action and in every result. And that is how there is a constant remembrance of Lord. What Karma Yoga says is, Yogastaha Karmani Kuru. When you perform the action, may the action be performed as an offering to the Lord. When you receive the result, may the result be received as a gift of God or prasada of God. So in both cases, you, are all, you remember God. Or keep always God in front of you or in mind. And this is how a constant remembrance is retained. As in the 8th chapter it is said, Tasmat Sarveshu Kaleshu 
Mahamanusmara Yudhyacha. And therefore, hey Arjuna, constantly remember me and perform your action. Because a man is as good as his thoughts. And thoughts are as good as the shraddha or the attitude that I have. And therefore, if I remember Lord all the time, that is how my mind slowly and slowly becomes purified. So the purification, the greatest detergent for purification of mind is this remembrance of Lord. It is not action. It is not that action purifies anything. It is really this remembrance and the devotion to the Lord is what purifies mind. And that is why slowly and slowly we can come out, we can overcome these tendencies that we at the moment possess of being frustrated, of being disappointed, of reacting a situation with resentment or dislike. When things don't happen according to our favor or our desire, then we react. React with dislike, resentment or anger or whatever it is. And that is called impurity. So these reactions in our mind are called impurities. And this karma yoga, this whole uh, attitude of karma yoga will slowly and slowly make us free from these reactions. As we will say in the third chapter, Indriyasya Indriyasyate Ragadvesha Vyavasthito Tayor Navashamagachet Tauhiyasya Paripanthinav That whenever you contact the sense object, contact the world, the natural, there is already a built-in relationship of raga and dvesha or likes and dislikes. There is already a judgment in the mind, a given thing is good, a given thing is bad and that is bound to be there. Because anything that is conducive to my safety and security and well-being naturally is going to be judged by me as good or favorable. And anything that uh, threatens my security, that hurts me or whatever, is necessarily going to be judged by me as, as bad. I would have aversion for it. I would want to avoid it. I would want to get rid of it. So as long as the sense of individuality is there, so long this raga and dvesha or likes and dislikes are unavoidable, inevitable. All we can do with this attitude is essentially reduce them to a certain minimum level. And that is what we will call purification of mind. Not total elimination of likes and dislikes, but largely an elimination of likes and dislikes that comes when we have what we call prasada buddhi and ishrar from buddhi. While performing action also, I have no uh, protest against action itself, which also we have. Very often, we have preference to actions. That I like to perform a certain action, I don't want to perform another action. Why should I do this? Why should I not do that? And that creates a reaction even towards action. So here, a yogi is the one who accepts every action as, as, as nothing but a command of God, meaning an action that is something given to him by God. In any given situation, whatever I am expected to do, I accept it as something that is wished by Lord. And so, every action is performed as his command. I am his servant and I am just obeying his command. That's how a karma yogi becomes a servant of Lord. Just fulfilling the command. If you want to call the divine will, or that's too big a word, command or duty. But what is called duty, meaning an action that is expected in a given situation ultimately, is, we would say, is only created for me. And thus I receive it and I respond to it as, as a servant of Lord and perform it. And whatever reward he gives is acceptable to me. The servant does not question the judgment of the master and therefore whatever reward the master thinks fit for a given task, finally accepted, accepted cheerfully or with pleasure. These are very great ideal things and uh, we would not say that it is something easy to do. But then this is something that we have to learn to do if you want to grow. And this is the only way to grow. There is no other way to grow. This is what we call emotional maturity of knowing the facts of life and this is a fact of life that there is God and that he is a creator that he is the ordainer that he is a sustainer that we are a link in the whole chain of creation and therefore whatever happens happens with a purpose and purpose is also that there is a blessing involved in everything that happens and this is the attitude that we have any action that comes before me also there must be reason behind it so I accept it 
and the result that comes to me, also there must be a reason behind it, I accept it. Every time I accept it only because it comes from God. I don't accept it because I am helpless, that I can't change it, etc. That's not the point. I accept it with faith and devotion, knowing that it comes from Lord. This is how slowly the devotion also is invoked in me, by constant remembrance that also requires me to constantly think. Karma Yogi is a person who is thinking all the time, and all the time renouncing. Therefore, in sixth chapter, the Karma Yogi is praised as both a yogi as well as a sannyasi. Anashritah karma phalam karyam karma karotiyah sa sannyasi cha yogi cha nanaragnirna chakriyah. Anashritah karma phalam without ashraya or without depending upon the karma phala or the result of an action. Meaning without an insisting that the result of action should be such and such. Karyam karma karotiyah. One who performs action that is proper, that should be done in a given situation. And that will require me to constantly think as to what is proper in a given situation. So I become a thinking person, analyzing person, an alert person. I must remain alert in every situation and to determine what is proper in a given situation. Sasanyasi cha yogi cha. Lord Krishna says, such a person who is busy performing actions is a sanyasi, is a renunciate as well as a yogi, is a great yogi. And who is yogi? Yogi is the one who has a command or a mastery over his mind. It's called yogi. And who is sannyasi? Sannyasi is the one who has a spirit of renunciation. So here constantly a spirit of renunciation is also required. Because often my own likes and dislikes have to be set aside. And I should do things that are required to be done. My own likes and dislikes are set aside and I should accept the result also as I said, with devotion, with cheerfulness. So likes and dislikes are constantly renounced. Attachments and aversions are constantly renounced. That is called sannyasi. And I become an alert person, thinking person, and slowly and slowly come to know my mind also. As to how my mind reacts in various situations. I will have, I will have, I will focus my attention on the various mechanisms of the mind. I will learn much more about my mind and I will learn to deal with my mind also and this is how one becomes a yogi. <coughs> In the next verse, Lord wants to praise this yoga. Durena Shyavankarma Buddhi Yoga Dhananja Buddha Sharanamanvicha Krupanaha Phalahetavaha Durena Avarankarma Buddhi Yoga Dhananjaya Hey Dhananjaya, addressing Arjuna, Lord Krishna says Buddhi Yoga as compared to the action, as compared to the action performed with Buddhi Yoga meaning as compared to the action performed as an offering to the Lord Durena Avaram Karma where an action is performed merely with a motivation to earn a result now we are talking about two kinds of action. One is action that is purely performed as motivated by a certain result. And another is action performed for the sake of action. You might say Sakama Karma and Nishkama Karma. Action performed as motivated by a desire to earn a certain reward or action performed because it is proper to perform the action regardless of what reward it brings. So when an action is performed, because it is proper to perform, regardless of what reward it brings, we call it Nishkama Karma or an action motivated not by karma or desire, but action motivated by the propriety of action itself. Where action is performed for the law of action or action is performed as an offering to the Lord. So compared to actions such as this, the other action which is performed merely for producing an end result is far inferior, Durena Avaram is far inferior, Lord Krishna says. So when you perform an action merely as a means for producing a result, the point here is we are performing actions all right, but then we are looking upon action as what? Do I look upon action merely as 
a means of producing results or do I look upon action as a means for my spiritual growth or why spiritual growth? I would say growth, my maturity and inner growth which is what the human life is for. What for is the purpose of human life is to grow and what is meant by growth? Growth of a person is not to be judged by what the person has accumulated or what the person has but it should better be judged by what the person is. It is not really important what I have, more important is what I am. Because whether I am happy or not is not going to be determined by what I possess. Whether I am happy or not is going to be determined by what I am. Meaning, do I have a mind which enjoys a poise? And that is what we call emotional maturity and inner growth. And that's the purpose of human life is to grow. How far can you grow? There is no limit to your growth. One can grow to infinity. That much potential human being has. And how do we grow? Action becomes a means of our growth. So that's what Lord Krishna says. That whatever actions you perform, may these actions become means of your growth. Means of your inner growth or maturity. And don't look upon actions merely as means of producing results. So that is how it is not that one action is superior to another action. It is that one approach or outlook is superior to another outlook. The outlook of a common man is that common man is interested merely in results. That what are you interested in? In my paycheck. What are you interested in? My promotion. What are you interested in? My comforts and possessions. Because usually in life, success is always judged by our external achievements. Here on the other hand, Bhagavad Gita gives us a different criterion for success. Success of a person is not to be judged by the external achievements, which may very well be there. It should rather be judged by an inner maturity that the person has gained. Inner maturity and inner development or inner growth and therefore yoga means looking upon action as a means for securing inner maturity rather than looking upon action as a means for producing result. Action can be performed either way. You can perform it as a means for producing result or you can perform it as means for inner maturity. So action when performed as a means of inner maturity becomes much superior to the action when it is performed merely as a means for earning the reward. Because when you perform an action, the reward will come anyway. So why should you worry about the reward? Lord Krishna wants us to stop worrying about rewards in life. Karmanyavadikaraste maafaleshu kadachana you worry about the result, I mean karma, action. Let me worry about the reward. And reward, external reward is not important to you at all. What do you want in your life? After all, what does a man need? Very little. Uh, you must have heard this when some very, very, very wealthy person in Madras in South India once came to Swamiji and told Swamiji, Swamiji, I'm very, very, very anxious. I can't sleep at night. In spite of the fact that he had everything that he could ever think of and still he just could not sleep at night. What would happen to him? Swami says, I suggest one method to you. For 41 days, you now take this particular vow. And what is that? That you will cook your own food. You cook your own food, that's all. Even though he was a very wealthy man, he has never cooked food before, but you cook your own food. And for that, whatever is required, you should do yourself. That if you require vegetable, go and go to the market, buy the vegetables, clean them and do whatever is necessary to. And similarly also, whatever is required to be done, you do. Otherwise, all your servants prepare everything and then you just switch on the light. That's not enough. You do whatever is required to prepare your food. And also another condition, whatever you cook, you must eat. That fellow thought is very simple. Okay, I'll do that. 
and he came back within one week. He did not require him forty-one days to learn certain fact of life. He came to Swamiji within a week and says, Swamiji, oh, I see now what you mean. I have no difficulty now. He says, what happened? I'm not worried. How come you're not worried, not anxious? Swamiji, what do I require in life? I realize that all I require are just two chapatis and little rice and this much vegetable, that's all I need. What do I need? Twice a day. What am I worried about? When man realizes that the needs are so, you know, real needs are just so few. There are many cultivated needs which are countless, of course. I mean, you can, you can build up your needs beyond any, any, any uh, limit. But the real needs that the man has are very few. He requires food, requires a shelter and requires clothing too. But then we don't only require food but a particular kind of food. Not only require the clothes but particular kind of clothes, name brand clothes or whatever. And not only require shelter but requires particular kind of shelter. Now that is where these are really not our requirements. But these are the conditions created by the mind which finds an inner insufficiency or an inner void. And that's why it seeks to fulfill itself through these outer possessions. But really what do we need is very little. And certainly one has to work for that. So whatever minimum requirements are there, one should work for it. Other than that, don't worry about the outer rewards because you don't need them. Even if you think you need them, you don't need them. What you need is really your inner satisfaction. And when you do something good, that satisfaction will automatically come. We know that. When we do something that the situation requires, even going out of our way, even even exerting ourselves, uh, when we do something uh, which helps somebody else or which that situation required, then an inner satisfaction always comes to us. And so when you do, when you perform good actions or proper actions or actions with proper attitude, that will give you an inner satisfaction. What more do you want? Then you need your food for hunger. You don't need food for satisfaction then. Because satisfaction comes from action. Satisfaction comes from having to do what is to be done. So here Lord Krishna completely wants to change the focus of our attention, completely wants to change the motivation. In the world, what is the motivation for performing an action? Reward is always the motivation. That's the reason why people give you more and more incentive, more and more work you perform. But they found that that method is not successful because beyond a certain point, even further reward does not interest a person. But we have to change the motivation altogether. Let action itself be the motivation. When you perform an action, may you perform it to the best of your ability. Let every action have your stamp, that you have performed it. And let it have the stamp of perfection, or whatever best you can do. And let every action itself become a means of your satisfaction, rather than waiting for the result to create satisfaction in you. Because the result always comes in future. And why should I wait? for a future time to derive satisfaction in our life, action which is performed at present, let that itself become a means for your satisfaction. This way Lord Krishna says, Durena hi avarankarma buddhi yoga dhananjaya. He dhananjaya he Arjuna, action thus performed with the attitude of yoga, wherein reward is not the motivation, but then quality of action itself is the motivation, then that action is much superior to action that is performed merely for the performance of action. I mean merely for the perform for the sake of reward. In that case action is not important, reward is important. And when reward becomes important, usually the quality of action is always going to be compromised. Because the mind will necessarily have a tendency to perform action in such a manner that the maximum reward comes, even when you do ban the action. So let the means be important not the end. Not that you can always, uh, you can always f- uh, forget about the end. Or it will take quite a long time before you arrive at a point where the end does not matter to you at all. Perhaps end will continue to matter, but do not sacrifice the means for the sake of the end. So means meaning action is more important than the reward. <coughs> But
Vidhau Sharanamanvicha Krupanaha Falahedavaha And therefore, here Arjuna, Buddhau Sharanam Anvicha Music to gain Sharanam Sharanam means Ashram Abhaya Praptikaranam Let this Buddhi It is not the action of which we have to take the refuge But it is Buddhi or that attitude, the outlook of which we have to take the refuge And what is the outlook? That action is a means of pleasing Lord and not a means of producing result. Mm-hmm. It's the outlook. It's called yoga. And that the reward is a gift of God or prasad of the Lord. This is also the outlook towards the result. It is this outlook toward which are based which is based on fact. It is not that we are asked to have an outlook or cultivate outlook which is false or imaginary. It is a fact but perhaps a fact that will require for us to experience. It is a fact that is of course understandable intellectually that whatever comes to us comes from Lord and therefore it is prasada and whatever action comes to us also is ordained upon us by Lord and therefore it is his command and therefore it should perform for his satisfaction. Intellectually this may be even clear but it should become practical fact for us which may require some experiences, which will require some learning and time and maturity. But then, the instructions that are given here are based on facts of life. Because when you maintain a certain attitude or when you maintain certain values, if those values are not in keeping with the facts of life, then there will be a lot of disillusionment and frustrations. Therefore, we are always asked to, to observe or practice those values which are facts of life. We are asked to follow truth, speak truth, because truth is a fact of life, not untruth. We are said that do not violate, do not hurt anybody, because non-violence is a fact of life and not violence. Even though violence may be a tendency of the mind, compromising truth may be a tendency of the mind, and still the truth or the non-violence alone are the facts of life. Therefore, we are asked to observe those. because that is what happens to be the fact of life. And therefore, one day it will become spontaneous for us. Buddha Ushanamanvichra And therefore, what is expected is, someday this Ishwarabha Buddhi, or that attitude of offering to the Lord, or worship to the Lord, will become just natural for us. In the beginning I practice worship. In the beginning I remind myself, wait a minute, this action which is performed is an offering to the Lord. Are you doing it? I remind myself. Again and again. In course of time, it will be discovered to be a fact, and in course of time, my actions will automatically become, will have the spirit of worship. In the beginning, I must constantly remind myself am I receiving the result as prasad of the Lord? Or am I reacting to it? I catch myself reacting again and again, and I bring my focus of attention back to the prasad buddhi. Thus, we constantly make our mind appreciate the facts of life. And this is how slowly, slowly the prasada buddhi also becomes spontaneous. Then one is ready to appreciate the truth which is revealed by Gita, that God is everything. What is the truth? Sarvam Khaloidam Brahma. Everything is God. It's not difficult for us to see when we pass through what we call this preparation of Karma Yoga. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, Buddhau Sharanam Anvichayava. May you take the refuge of this karbuddhi remaining karma yoga. Let that become your refuge. Let not reward become your refuge. But let this buddhi or this attitude of karma yoga may it become your refuge. Refuge is what? We will seek protection. Protection from what? Protection from reactions. What do we need protection from? Not from outer enemies. We really need protection from what we call inner enemies. Of the nature of passion, anger, greed, all of these are inner enemies and we really need protection from that. It are these enemies which are really obstacles to knowledge. What prevents me from losing myself? What prevents me from owning up my true nature as it is? Only these inner obstacles which always keep the mind glued extroward. It always keeps, they always keep the mind glued to rewards. And it is those inner enemies that we have to slowly and slowly overcome. And for that, the most effective method is what we call Karma Yoga. So Lord Krishna says, Buddhau Sharanam Anvichaya. Anvichaya Prarthayusva, meaning may you seek or pray for Sharanam. Sharanam means Abhay Prapti Kavanam. 
So that which becomes a means for your protection or becomes a refuge. So against your inner enemies you are seeking protection. Protection of what? Protection of this karma yoga, of this attitude of karma yoga. We are seeking protection of the attitude of karma yoga against our inner enemies. Kripanaha phala hirtavaha On the other hand, those people are who are phala hirtavaha. Phala hirtavaha means those people who perform actions merely for the purpose of phala or the reward. Kripanaha, they are really pitiable. Kripanaha means actually misers. But misers are very pitiable people really. Why is it so? Because a miser has a, a lot of uh, wealth with himself or herself. But then they don't spend the wealth. Wealth is there. Those who do not spend the wealth are called misers. They gain satisfaction all right of accumulating the wealth. And then when they see their bank balance rising and gaining a satisfaction because I am amassing more and more wealth. So some kind of vicarious satisfaction they do gain. But if you had the wealth which was used properly. Let's talk about charitable means. If a wealth was utilized for the welfare of the people, how much greater satisfaction would you have gained? How much greater merit would you have accumulated? All that merit has been sacrificed just because you could not part with your wealth or part with your money. Or you just were satisfied with this, 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 uh, what shall we say? a very inferior kind of a satisfaction which comes merely out of possession. And for that purpose you really sacrifice the superior kind of satisfaction that comes as a result of giving that money in charity or giving it to those for whom the money is useful. In which case that person also is happy and you are also happy. But a miser does not do that. They never want to part with money. So therefore really we may call them pitiable people, we to take pity on them because they are uh, depriving themselves of an opportunity of a much greater satisfaction that they could gain from their wealth. <coughs> Here also Lord Krishna says, similarly also, karma or the action that we have is an opportunity in our life. Don't we really avoid action, maybe not avoid action and we will not just pass this opportunity to grow. A karma yogi is the one who in fact invites action. He never shies away from action. Very often when we, when we talk about Bhagavad Gita and this karma yoga and perform the attitude of performing action uh, with an attitude of worship, then very often people tell us, Swamiji, but suppose in my office or in my place of work, I start performing action with this attitude. People will come to know, hey, this fellow likes to act, work, fine. People will keep on dumping low work upon me. And then I'll wind up having to do everything myself. I'll be exploited. What will happen to me? So let be ready to be exploited. What in the worst thing will happen? You will work hard. That's all. That's fine. If you look upon work or action as an opportunity to grow, then you have that many more opportunities to grow. If you are, if you consider action as a burden, as something that is an exertion, then no one want to avoid it. But if you understand action as an opportunity, then no one will want to avoid that opportunity. So Karma Yogi is the one who looks upon action as an opportunity to grow, as an opportunity for inner growth or inner evolution. And therefore, that person does not want to avoid action. He doesn't mind being exploited because he is only connected to God. He is not connected with anybody. As I say, he looks upon action as coming from him and not from somebody else and therefore to him it's fine. This is ideal. Again, we are looking at this and hoping that we grow to this point where we, we, uh, we are not perturbed because we have to work or because we have to work hard because Every work or action is looked upon by us as an opportunity to grow. On the other hand, those people who look upon action merely as a means of producing result, Lord calls them Kripanaha, Dinaha. They are really pitiable people because they are settling for lives. The idea is action or karma can become a means for moksha. 
when performed with the attitude of yoga, ultimately karma becomes a means for moksha. Because karma of action is a means for purification of mind. How? By slowly slowly enabling us to overcome our reactions. And thus mind becomes more and more free from reactions. That is what we call purer and purer mind. And as the mind becomes free from reactions, it becomes what we call an objective mind. It is these reactions which actually vitiate my judgment or which distort my perception. As the mind becomes free from the reactions, my perception and judgments become clearer and clearer. And such mind is more and more prepared to learn the truth, to understand the truth. <coughs> and thus, as Shrinkarajar explains, that karma or reaction by way of purification of the mind <coughs> ultimately becomes means for knowledge and thus indirectly becomes means for liberation. Even though one does not gain liberation directly by karma yoga, but then as I said karma yoga prepares the mind for knowledge and then that becomes means for liberation. In that sense karma yoga indirectly becomes means for liberation. So when an action is performed with the attitude of yoga, it becomes ultimately the means for limitless. So every action can be performed as a means to bring about limitless. On the other hand, a person who performs an action merely as a means to bring about a limited reward, isn't he passing off a great opportunity? That, whereas he could have performed an action as a means for limitlessness, he merely is now performing action as a means of a limited result. That's why it's called Krupanaha or a miser. As you said, like a man who doesn't part his wealth, which he could have used for very noble purposes, so also this person does not use this opportunity of action for noble purposes. And therefore, his Krupanaha or pitiable. That's why, again, in this verse, Lord Krishna shows us the importance of karma yoga, performing karma or action with the attitude of yoga. Okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purna Purnamudachyadure Purnasya Purnamadavaya Purnami Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhavashyakrutau Vandere Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Gururatme Murti Bhedavibhagine Vyomavadvyakta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye Namahan Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhiru Namahan Hari Om